Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. I'm again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of the saints, of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Give a clap. Before you sit down, touch a couple people and just declare the peace of God over them. I mean, it's not just for the prisoner. It is for us who equally need the peace of God. Just declare the peace of God over some people. Just command the peace of God. Peace of God and favor. Peace of God and favor. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you for the graduation. The, the, the congratulations on the graduation, which I like to call the congratulation. Right? Thank you so much. Uh, of course, I finished my master's in divinity, which is four years post-college, full-time. Um, part-time can take you forever. Here's the coolest story in the world. Uh, when I, if you look at the video, um, there was a woman in my class named Anise. Anise was a beautiful saint from um, uh, Brooklyn, and uh, she said the Lord told her to get her uh, Bible education, and she was 77, and she walked across the stage in a walker, and I tell you, wasn't a dry eye in the room, wasn't a dry eye in the room. Uh, She was in a group project of mine one time, and uh, she would preach the gospel, preach holiness. I got into a debate with her once. I just went ahead and said, well, you've been doing this Christianity thing about 50 years longer than me. I'll go ahead and just, you do your thing. Go ahead, Anise, you do your thing. I said, what are you going to do next, Anise? She said, I'm getting my doctorate. I said, you're doing what? You're doing what? She's going to get to heaven and teach Moses some things. I don't know. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 21. We are continuing our message series, The Gospel of John. Jesus is alive. Amen. We are, we are, we are uh, kind of going through the Gospel of John in the post-resurrection accounts. Uh, I'm pretty excited about today's message. So if you're online, you may or may not catch this because I might be on the move. Okay? Uh, I just got something. Maybe that camera over there is going to be doing some things. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But I'm ready to preach the Gospel. Is that okay? All right. We're going to crack open the Word of God. I... um. Uh, my wife, my wife and I went. Uh, we went to Lakeland, uh, and uh, I'll talk about that in a moment. I'm back. I'm ready to preach. I am ready to talk about Jesus. John chapter one, starting. Excuse me, John twenty one, starting in verse one. The word of the Lord says, uh, "Yes, after these things, Jesus manifested Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. That's also known as the Galilee, Sea of Galilee." And he manifested himself this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael and Cana in Galilee, excuse me, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we also will come with you. They went out and got into the boat and they and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, 
Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, do you not have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find a catch. So they cast and then they were not able to haul it because there was such a great number of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, you know how he puts that little part in there. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. If you say amen to the reading of the word. You know, so I was in uh, I was in Lakeland uh, for my graduation. My family and I went up on uh, Thursday. My son couldn't go because he has uh, just a ridiculously heavy uh, school load, volunteer load, workload. So he stayed back home and watched online. But my daughter, my wife and I were up there and and um. You know, it, it, it's funny uh, living in America, and um, it, it's funny that we see things all the times that we don't we don't recognize, right? Like we just we're just used to it. We don't think about it. We just breeze by it. And uh, and uh, my, my daughter and I were driving around. I had to go get my cap and gown on um, on Thursday, I believe. And uh, we're, we're driving, just kind of looking in. If you've ever been to North Central Florida, um, Florida is like the farther south you get, it's like the farther north you go, right? Like South Florida is more like the northeast. The west coast of Florida is more like, um, the, like, uh, like the Midwest because a lot of people from the Midwest vacationed in the Tampa you know, all the, and lower. But the farther you go north in Florida, the, farther, the closer you get to the south, right? And, um, you know, you're looking for hoods and stuff. You know, you don't know. You don't know what's going on up there, right? You see a cross, want to make sure it's not burning. You understand. And so... Um, and so you're driving around through um, central Florida, and uh, we're driving, just looking. The houses are beautiful, and uh, there's a lot of lakes uh, in, in Lakeland, which is why I think they call it Lakeland, right? So there's lakes everywhere, and uh, it's like the land of lakes almost. And there's these beautiful kind of plantation-ish looking houses, and you have to be like, not every, that's like how they built it. Just because, you know, the plantations look like this. Doesn't mean every house was a plantation, right? Like you just gotta, you just gotta tell yourself, like I'm not gonna be offended with your architecture, right? Just not. Anyways, we're driving along, just just liking the 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 architecture, and we're driving along, and we see a sign for a park, and it says Dixieland Park. We're like, does it does it say Dixie Land? Like is that is that like Dixie? Like away down south, Dixie away away. Like like in Dixieland, I'll make my stand to save the heart of Dixie. Like this is. This is Confederate talk. This is like, not sure this is something we want to preserve. And, and But like, you know, people just drive by these signs all the time and they're like, well, we get so used to it that, that the meaning of it, we get inoculated from what the words really mean. We find this, uh, Tracy and I find this as we counsel families and how they talk to their children and they call them names. And, 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 and depending on your, your culture, there are insults that you will say that are just considered okay. And we have to sit down with adults and say, oh yeah, your entire childhood they called you flaco. And that's not okay. And it's kind of, you know, like a little skinny, you know, like to, to make fun of a girl's body. And, and you're just, if you're in a certain Latino culture, you just use these terms of endearment, except they're not endearing. They're insulting. Right. Like in every culture has it. And, and I'm not going to bring up every derogatory term that I've heard used uh, by people in different cultures. But we just think like it's nothing and we just we, we, we miss it. Right. Like we just 
we don't pay attention to the words around us because we just look past them. And, and what I noticed as I looked at that Dixie sign, I was like, well, if I lived across the street from that, I would just vandalize it every time until they stopped giving, until they gave up and just stopped replacing it, right? Like I would just, just not, not on my street, you know, that's just not, come up with a new name, call it, you know, Mary Jones Park, call it, uh, I love Jesus Park, call it whatever you want, but I'm just not. Anyway, and so, um, but what I noticed is we do the same thing with the Word of God. We read it so much, we miss what it's saying because we already think we know what it means. Does this make sense? We, we read it so much we get inoculated from, from what it really means. And, and, and we need to slow down. And we've talked about this. We need to kind of lose our focus a little bit to come back into focus with what the Word of God is actually saying. And, and today, I believe the Lord has something for us if we'll slow down and look at the Word of God here. Um, what, what, what I found in the, in the Spirit-filled church, um, we, we need... We need now I'm 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 feeling a little worked up today. So just say I'm not just say just repeat after me. I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to protect my heart and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit grow me. All right, and I, I don't plan to insult anybody, okay? But I may insult some some sacred cows. Which I have a master's in divinity. I'm actually educated to do that. So here we go. That's going to be my excuse from now on. In the spirit-filled church, we, we, need, we, need, we need the spirit and we need the word. We don't just need the word as interpreted by some people who call themselves spirit-filled. We need what the word actually means. And we need the Holy Ghost of God to breathe on it so it comes alive on the inside of us. See, if you do not have the spirit, and come on somebody, if you don't have the spirit in the word, things get funky. We see a lot of people who are not actually operating in the word of God. They're operating in the word of their own soul. They're operating in the word of their own lust. They operate in the, in, in the spirit of this age. And some of them are operating in the spirit of the enemy, but they're producing things that people want, so people call it God. Because it is actually their God that they're, they're, that they're attaining, but it's not the living God, the God who gave Himself for humanity, died on a cross, was raised again, is interceding, is coming back for us. That's not the actual God that they're serving. So it's important that we test things by the actual Word of God and make sure the Spirit of God, that we have an, have, have, have a, have a, have an affirmation in our spirit that the actual Word of God is being preached under the anointing of God so it can actually come alive and change lives. Can you say amen? This is what we're looking for here. This is, this is what we want to achieve. And, and clap or not, I'm going to keep preaching it. And um, I'll just keep preaching until you clap. I don't care. Um, but we're coming into agreement today. So, so, so what we get a lot is um, we get a lot of preachers who are looking for an audience. And so they preach things that build an audience, not necessarily preach things that attract the angels of God and the anointing of God and the presence of God and the amen of the father. They just get things that attract a crowd. And if there's a big enough crowd, they say it must be God. I don't know if anybody's listened to the podcast, uh, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Has anybody in here listened to that podcast? I would recommend you have my wife. My wife didn't want to, but she had to because she's in the car with me. And um, it's a brilliant podcast series about this church in the northeast that, excuse me, the northwest that grew hugely and massively. And everybody was convinced this guy must be hearing God until the whole thing went from 15,000 members to collapse in two weeks. Because finally, 
everybody recognized this is not God at all. Uh, It's it's a great read, but it's happening all over. And people are crediting things to the Spirit of God that is really manipulation. It's really soulfulness. It's really lust. And in some instances, in our spirit-filled world, it's actually an unclean spirit at work among the people. And we want to we be rooted and grounded in the faith. I tell you what, in the Bible we tell stories, we read stories about a lot of people who start well. We don't read a lot of stories about people who end well. And we want to finish well. Amen? My, my, my goal is to finish well. I want to be called faithful at the end, not faithful in the middle. And then what happened to him? Right? My, my, goal, my goal is to finish well. And we find the people who finish well are faithful to the Word of God, are faithful to their covenant with people and with God to the end. They don't resort to demonic. They don't resort to soulfulness. They don't resort to manipulation. They don't resort to lust. They actually stick the steady path and build something that endures. And so we don't want this, this mixture. We want, we want the pure Word of faith that is founded in the Word of God we, we don't want to operate out of our soul. We, we, want, we want Jesus. And uh, we, we, we want Jesus in our lives. And, and, and the Word of God, it causes you to love and trust Jesus and serve His purposes. This is what the Word of God does. It causes you to love God and have an interior, inside desire to serve the purpose of God with your life. It is impossible to waste your life on God. It is impossible to waste your life on God. There is a reward for serving the Lord. The, 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 word of, the, word, the, word, like, the Word of God will lead you into God's purposes. The Word of your soul is an off-ramp from the Gospel. And what, what, what so often happens is we get the Word of God that comes into our desperate situation. We use it to get what we originally wanted and we take an off-ramp to prosperity. Be whatever prosperity looks like to you, it's an off-ramp. And we don't, we don't want that. I want to see you finish well. Amen? All right, we're going to get into the Word of God here. So, you know, Jesus calls us something different. He calls us to something different in the world than what we see the people who don't know Him living. We're called to a peculiar lifestyle. We're called to a peculiar faith. We're called to trust when there is no reason to trust. We're called to serve when we're tired. We're called to love when we have reasons to judge. We have call, we're called to believe when everything tells us to give up. We're called to give our lives so that we may gain it. Amen? This is what we are called to. And, 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 and we have to actually get in the Word of God to see what that looks like. Amen? Alright, let, let's get in the Word here. And let's see, let's see for ourselves what, what God has called us to. Now, as we read this story in John chapter 21, I want you to ask yourself, what is this story about, right? I've heard a lot of sermons on John chapter 21. If you've been a believer in Jesus, you've gone to church at all, you've probably seen them a bunch, a lot as well. What is this story about? Well, let's let the Bible interpret the Bible. Hear me, hear me. Revival Life Church, we are going to be people who know the Spirit and the Word. Amen. We are going to know the Bible and we're going to know the Spirit of God. 
We are going to understand this ancient text that was written by a whole bunch of people to a whole bunch of people who look nothing like us. And we're going to discern the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that inspired it. We're going to see Him and we're going to appropriate this Word to see what God is doing in our lives today. Amen. Come on. And we're going to learn the Word of God. So let's let the Word interpret the Word. What is this story about? John 21, what is it about? Well, there's fishing, there's all kind of stuff happening. John 21.1, put it up for me if you would. After these things, Jesus, very important character in the New Testament, amen. He's pretty much what this whole thing is about, right? So we see, all right, this has something to do with Jesus, all right? And after these things, meaning some things happened earlier, right? New story, new, new, new setting, new occasion, new scene. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself this way. That means this entire section is about how Jesus manifested himself to his disciples. The point of this story is not what Peter was going through, what little problems John was having, the fact that they couldn't catch no fish, it wasn't about uh, what city they're in or uh, what's happening in the future. This entire story is about Jesus and how he chooses to manifest himself to his people. Now, you, if, you, if you read this Bible and you learn how to fish, you have missed the point. If you've learned how to get more money, you've missed the point. It's in there, but it is not the point. If you, if you learn how to deal with frustration, beautiful, I'm happy for you, that's lovely, put it to work. It's not the point of this scripture. The point of this scripture is Jesus manifested himself and he manifested himself to his disciples this way. This, listen, this is what I want. Anything in the story, if I could, if I could like fish the rest of my life and not catch a fish, yet have Jesus manifest himself to me, yes, sign me up for that. Right? If I could work my whole life and not make no money, but Jesus is showing up on the scene, sign me up for that. This is what I want, right? If I live my life in frustration because my little plans aren't working, I'm not living where I want to work, but Jesus is showing up, sign me up for that. I want the living God in my life. That's what this scripture is about. And people got all kind of soulish lessons to teach you out of John 21 that have nothing to do with how Jesus manifest in your life. This is what we're here for. That word manifest, it's, 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 it's phanero. Let's say that with me. Phanero. We're all in Greek class now. You're Greek. Bless you. Bless you. That word manifest, don't let the, don't let the world tell you what the Bible means. All right? A lot of people talk about manifesting these days. Right? I'm manifesting things. You might be manifesting a demon. I don't know. But it says man, manifest, that, that word means to make visible or to make clear, or to make known, right? Now, God is everywhere. Can you say amen? He is everywhere, but you don't always see Him at work. So this manifest means that which is already present, Jesus comes and makes you aware of it and brings it into your life in a way that's tangible. Right? No, you're manifesting a car. Ain't no car in your life that suddenly you're going to see. You can make a vision board as big as that wall. It ain't bringing it in your life, right? And let me, let me, let me say this. Now, I'm offend somebody, so guard your heart. If you can manifest a car 
without the Holy Ghost, you're operating under a different spirit. And we can cast that out at the end of service because you don't actually want it at work in your life. Right? If you can manifest things outside the will of God, I, I mean, there's all kinds of names for it. Brujaria, voodoo, I mean, there's santaria. There's all kinds of words for that. And ain't none of them say the way to heaven. I'm just, we just got to be real here. If we're going to manifest something. I want the living God's will to manifest in my life. You see, that tells me it's already there. I just don't see it yet. But we got to find out what his will is, and then it will manifest according to his system, right? Now, hear what I'm saying. This is not how we get God to do what we want. This is how we get in God's program so he can manifest himself in his timing in our life, and we be at peace with it. Amen? All right, man, what are we doing? Fanaru. That's what we have, Fanaro. That's what we want. I didn't do Greek, Greek so well, you know. I have the MDF. Don't talk to me in Greek. I don't, I don't you know. So after the resurrection, everything changes, right? Everything changes between God and man after the resurrection. Before the resurrection, a couple people got around Jesus and things were different. But after the resurrection, things are completely different for everything. What the Old Testament means is now different. What the New Testament means is different, the, the, the Gospels. Now that we are resurrected, in, with Christ, we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. Things are different. Now, you can go into the Old Testament, read it, do some of the stuff they did, enjoy what God did. I was talking with somebody this week who likes to enjoy the feasts, and I'm like, hey, if you want to remember how Jesus, how, how the Lord led the, the Israelites out of Egypt into the Promised Land, that's great. Just recognize that that's not your story. That's you celebrating somebody else's story, right? My, my wife and I are about to go on vacation in Mexico. We're going to be there uh, during Cinco de Mayo. Funny thing about Cinco de Mayo, it's an American uh, holiday. Mexicans don't celebrate Cinco de Mayo. It's, it's, it's not something they celebrate. And so you ask Mexicans, it's like, it's like going to Britain saying, hey, what are we doing for the 4th of July? I knew some, uh, some, 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 some missionaries in Mexico who were teaching their people how to celebrate Columbus or to celebrate Thanksgiving. I'm like, they ain't nothing for them to be thankful about. I don't know if you understand that. You're celebrating the conquerors coming over and wiping out the indigenous people. I'm, I'm not sure you understand. Like, we got to, like, let's, let's put things in context here, right? And so, so, so what we can celebrate in the Exodus story is that God is still a deliverer. It was a picture of Jesus bringing people out of bondage into the promised land. And I'm for celebrating that every day of the week. Amen. He is a liberator and we see that all through the Bible. So, 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 so let's, 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 let's pick up the story. Let's, let's, let's remember what we're doing with this scripture. So after the resurrection, I want you to see this pattern of how God shows up in people's lives. This is what I want you to get out of this message today. You're going to have to use your brain a little bit today. I'm not going to be able to spoon feed this. You're going to have to engage in the word, take some notes, try to get Jesus at work in your life. So there, there, there's a word. There's a word that's been spoken over you. There's a word that has been uh, before the foundation of the world that's been set up for you. It's, it's in your spirit. And it needs to be activated. Sometimes you get a prophetic word for someone and you just give it to them. And they're like, I don't know what in the world you're talking about. And you're like, all right, 
Apparently, I was just supposed to put that seed right there. One day, the Holy Ghost is going to come along and water it. And it's going to be a tree in your garden, right? And so many of you got a prophetic word sitting in your spirit that came from God. Maybe, maybe it was at your baby dedication. You didn't even know it. Or maybe some of you had an aunt or a grandma who'd been praying for you and got a word spoken into your spirit. Or maybe just before the foundation of the world, God had a plan for you. And it is sitting in your spirit. And it needs to be activated. And we need Jesus to be manifested right outside that word just so it can begin to come to life in our lives. Now, some of you got a word over your finances. You got a, you got a, you got a word over your health. You got a word over your business. You got a word over your family that just needs to be watered with a little bit of faith in God's timing and see it come to fruition. I feel like God is going to do something here this morning, and I'm getting a little bit excited about it. So let's remember the story that we find ourselves in this morning, right? So if we remember the story, uh, we got to get into the mind of the disciples as, as, they are, as, as the story is written here in John 21. Remember, Jesus was their rabbi, right? In those days, at 30, a man could become a rabbi. He begins to gather his uh, disciples. Jesus most likely was a Pharisee, had been raised in the tradition of the Pharisees. Uh, that's why he was able to rebuke the Pharisees so much, because that was his people, and he could, he could talk to them in a way that a Sadducee could not. He was a rabbi, which is what they called pharisaical leaders, right? He collected his disciples at 12. I'm not saying that is in the Bible. I'm just saying everything in the Bible points toward that to me. You want to disagree? I don't care. I got the MDiv, right? So, <clears throat> um, and so Jesus, they had the, they had the rabbi, and, um, and they thought this rabbi is the Mashiach, right? He is the anointed one who's going to come and set us free. And, uh, and he, did, he did miracles that no other rabbi could do, clearly pointing that he was someone special, right? Now, they don't know what the Messiah is going to look like, but they knew he was someone special. And uh, they thought he was going to change everything. And uh, then he was murdered, right? He was murdered, and uh, they didn't understand what was, what was happening. They didn't understand the story Jesus talked about. He was going to die and be resurrected, but how do you take that seriously from anybody, right? Like, that is, why would you believe that? That don't make any sense. You would get mental health counseling. You'd be sending them to Pastor Tracy. If somebody told you, hey, I'm going to die on Friday, but don't worry, I'll be at work on Monday. You'd be like, um, Pastor Tracy, um, do you have any available slots? Nope, Tuesday's not going to work. <laughs> we need before Friday, right? And so Jesus, but Jesus actually pulled it off, right? And uh, they didn't believe it. And we know that they were hiding in a room, scared uh, of the Jews, because uh, they thought that they would be put on trial like Jesus and murdered, which is a real thing. If you ever uh, thought that you were going to be murdered, you understand the fear that comes with that. A couple of us in the room have experienced that. It is, some of y'all just scared to get a traffic ticket, right? You see a car, a cop on the road, you're going 57 and a 55, you're hitting the brakes, almost causing accidents. Imagine being murdered, right? So they're scared. Jesus shows up in their room, which has to shift like, I don't know what, like, I don't know what you do when that happens, right? Like, what, what do you do when that happens? How do you, how do you even fit that into your life, right? When you have great trauma, you tend to compartmentalize it and never deal with it. Imagine that. How do you, like, what framework do you have for that? And so they didn't understand it and they thought, they thought they were going to die and they were hiding and he shows up, and the last we heard, Jesus had shown up again. Remember, we talked about this last week. Eight days later, he showed up to show Thomas, look, hey, I'm, I'm really alive. And Thomas, uh, praise God, put his hand in the side of Jesus, 
uh, Jesus alive. And the next thing we know, we find ourselves here and the disciples are in Galilee. Uh, they're at the Sea of Galilee fishing. And um, and 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 I don't know what, what what can you can you think of like what they were feeling at that point? Like what? Like he showed up and now he's gone. Like what? What do we do with this promise? And we thought that we were going to be somebody and it died and then it looked like it was alive and now it's gone. Have 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 you ever found it? Let's be honest here for a second. You ever found it hard to hope? You ever been in a place in life that it like like just just hoping was painful? Just the idea that things could get better took faith that you didn't have? Like, I'm talking like you didn't even want to get out of bed for a while because then you might have to, like, be positive on any level. Like, you got people in your life that you are lying to all the time that you're okay, and they know you're not okay. Like, you, like, you can't even pull that off well. Right? This, this is the disciples. It seems, it, it seems so painful to think about. You wanted to believe, but, 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 but you can't. Like, like, you just got off social media because you don't want to see anybody happy. You ever been that hopeless? Like, I don't even want to see other people happy. Like, nobody has a reason to be... Can, can I just get real? Can we just be real in the house of God right now? Can we just get real before God and say, like, I get... Like, you got so depressed and, 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 and so downtrodden that you're like, I don't even want to see other... I don't want to hear... I don't, I'm not even asking you how things are going because I don't want to hear that things are going well. Like, I, I just... I don't have an emotional capacity to hear about your success because everybody should be miserable right now because things are awful for me, right? Like, have you, have you, we call that depression, right? And, and I don't know if you, if you haven't visited there yet. I don't recommend it, but there's a chance you're going to pass through at some point in your life and you better know how to navigate it, right? Like, you go, you're going to find that spot at some point. And I want you to not be ashamed. And I want you to know that Jesus is waiting there for you, right? There is something on the other side for you there. You got a word, you got a promise. You got a verse stuck in your spirit, but you can't make it work. You don't understand why, because you know it came from God and God isn't breathing on it. And you don't understand why. And then Jesus shows up at our lowest. When we think hope is gone, the God of all hope just shows up in the room. And doesn't do what we want him to do. Clearly, that's why God is here now to do, to fix the very thing that I'm depressed over. Like, you know, they don't they don't did me dirt and I know you're going to kill them for me now, God. That's why you shut up on the scene to show everybody how terrible those people or you're going to make that person who got the car instead of me crash. And the guy who sold it to them is going to repent to me for me not getting the car or the house or the job or the. And Jesus just there chilling like, did you know I love you? You're like, you love me? <laughs> this is what love looks like to you? What love got to do with it? Like right now, it don't feel like this is nothing. This don't look nothing like love. This looks like you don't care a bit. Like, come on, God. What? Don't tell me I'm here and I love you. If you love me, get to work. And <laughs> I get stuff done. And Jesus just, just, just shows up in the darkness. Just. When, when night is the darkest, I'm here to let you know, when night is the darkest, that's when He shows up. The Bible says, unless a seed is buried and dies, it cannot come to life. 
We get a word and we're like, yeah, I'm going to get that word and it's just going to become a tree. And he's like, oh, mm, skip the step. Right? Like I, I like the garden. I get seeds in the mail and, and I can't just look at the seed and it becomes a tree. You got to get the seed and you got to bury it to where you can't see it no more. And you can't go back and check on it. You do everything you know how to do. You water it. You fertilize it. But it's just, you got to bury it. And it's as good as dead. And then one day, if the conditions are right, that seed starts to grow. And so right there in the darkness, in the darkest part of your life, that's when seeds can actually begin to germinate. When you're in that dark night, when you're in that season that it looks like every promise has failed, you finally reached the grave or the seed gets to die. Now, the temptation is to dig it up. The temptation is to molest it. People are like, why do people keep getting saved in jail? Why are they getting saved in the hospital? Because they have reached the point of death that the seed of the gospel can finally begin to flourish. That's why we go to jail, because Jesus is waiting for somebody to breathe on the seed of redemption on the inside of some people. And so you're just there in the hospital, you're just there in the jail, and, 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 and you, you look like Billy Graham up in there just reaping the harvest, because, because that's where Jesus is. That's where Jesus is breathing on some dead seed in some people's lives. And it makes you feel like, man, I'm just, I should, I could go, I should start a church tomorrow. Just the way people getting saved around me, because that's where, go to, go to the prison, go to jail, go to the hospital, go to, go, go to a war zone. That's like, that's, that's where you're going to get a harvest because Jesus is there over some dead seed, ready to see it germinate. Can you say amen? And I remember when we bought our house, I'm going to say this quickly. I remember when we bought our house, we were. It was like a seven-year process. Like we were ready, we were like we were ready to move out of our condo. When it was, this, I'm, I'm gonna tell this story quickly because it's an aside, and I ain't gonna do it with my message. So we lived, um, we lived in an apartment, and the Lord gave me a word. I want you to believe to buy a house. I said, yes, sir. I will take that word. Yes, I will. And you know what I did? We started looking for a condo. I recognized I couldn't afford nothing. Right? I couldn't afford nothing. And so uh, I said, well, we're going we to have a prayer meeting. We had my, my, my wife's um, cousin live with us. And uh, I don't think we had Isaac yet. I'm not, I don't know if we may have. We had Isaac. Oh, Isaac was nothing but loud, right? And so <laughs> I said, hey, we're going to have a prayer meeting. And she said, okay, well, we have a prayer meeting. I said, we're going to have a prayer meeting for our house every day. We're having a prayer meeting every day until we get our house. And then after a week or two, no house, I said, we're going to pack up everything we own. We're going to put it in boxes. We won't get ready for the move. And so we don't packed up everything we owned, except, you know, some drawers and whatnot. You know, you got to you got to live. We packed up everything in our in our in our little apartment. And uh, we just prayed over those boxes like I'm going to unload them somewhere. I'm going to unload them somewhere. Right. I'm going to unload them somewhere. And lo and behold, this 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 little broke kid from Delray bought a condo. And uh, we were like, so, so like, thank you, Jesus. We bought I like I didn't even know how it happened. It was just. It just it happened. It was like the favor of the Lord. It was like wasn't even hard. We looked at houses, couldn't afford nothing, wound up in a condo. Glory to God. Well, then we had a couple kids outgrew the condo and we're like, time for a house, Lord. Like, I don't know if you recognize time for a house. And uh, so we started looking for houses. We looked at we looked at the most. They got some broke down houses in Boca. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like Boca is so nice. Not the houses we could afford. 
not the ones we could afford. I, we were standing in a house one time, and uh, Isaac was with us. He was little. He was at that age where he like wouldn't stay still and just wouldn't just wouldn't do what I wanted him to do. You know what I'm talking about? Just do stuff. Like, why are you doing that? Just stop doing that. And when there's house, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, it's a nice neighborhood, but something, something's funny about this house. I don't know what it was. And Isaac had this ball, and he's playing with. It. I'm like, stop playing with the ball. And he put the ball on the ground, and the ball just started rolling. I said, the house is sli- the house is sliding into a canal. You want me to buy a house? It'll be, I know it's waterfront property. It'll be a houseboat soon. Like, what, do you, what is happening? Right? And so we're looking at houses. We're looking at houses. I can't afford none of them. Not now one of them. We're like, maybe we got to move to, I don't want to name neighborhoods. Y'all might live in them. I don't know. So we're, 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 na- <laughs> we're looking for houses, places we don't even kind of want to live. And, and I'm like, I was, I went, I don't want to say I was discouraged because it was a lot more like depressed, right? It was like full-blown depression. Couldn't, couldn't look at nothing, didn't want, and I'm, I'm like, I, I was, I was F5ing on them little realtor.com like 24-7 over my realtor. Found this house, go look at it. Found this house, go look at it. I'm like, I'm like, we're looking at all these houses, can't find a single one. And then we found a house, we went in there, they don't lied about the list price, I cursed them in the name of Jesus, and um, went in there, we looked, uh, you know, because God, God's angry, because uh, he wants me to have a house. And so I'm in there, and, um, <clears throat> and, uh, we look at the house. We put in a. I put my hand on that, and I just, I just, I said, I just felt the anointing of God. I, I went outside and I just put my hand on it. I said, Lord, if this is our house, ain't no one else can buy it. And if it's not our house, just I don't want these people to be happy in it. But if it is our house, I didn't say that part. I thought it, but I didn't say it. I put my hand on it, and I just said, if it's our house, ain't nobody can buy it but us. I like. I tell you what, I had given up at that point when I found out that they lied about the list price. They listed it low, so there'd be a bidding war. And I don't got bidding kind of money. You know what I'm saying? And so I just put my hand on it, and I just said, God, if it's ours, it's ours. And I just gave, I gave up, and uh, we were supposed to go on a vacation that week. We went on a cruise. Got on a cruise. I'm in Mexico. I'm just, I get off in Cancun. We didn't have no cell service uh, back then on the, uh, on the cruise. And uh, we get off at Cancun. I got a message from my realtor saying, hey, if you'll come up 25, then they'll, buy the house. I'm like, I ain't got $25,000. Like this, that's, you might as well just say, just come, come with gold bars. I don't got that kind of money. And they're like, no, 2,500. I said, 2,500? I could come up 2,500. Do it now. <laughs> Do it now. And so we're walking around, was it Cancun? Cozumel, not a nice place. Don't go, right? So we're walking around Cozumel. We've got a broke down Jeep, can't make it around the island. We're praying in tongues, trying to make this Jeep work. Get back to where the port is. And the, and, and, and the realtor's like, they accepted your offer. I was like, did we just buy a house on vacation? Did that just, did that literally just happen? Like, Betsy died. Betsy died. I, I, I was, I was, I had visions of my kids growing up in the same room, like coming back from prom, sharing a room. Like, I'm like in misery, like I'm in sackcloth and ashes in my, in my, you know, well into my old age, still with this condo, cursing it like this. But God just like, it died, and Jesus showed up right in the darkness. And he, he sh- like, 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 like Jesus comes in our darkness and he shines light. He shines light, and then, and, and then, and then, and then we have to choose what we're going to do with the light of Christ that shows up in our darkness. Are, are you hearing me? We have to choose what we're going to do with the light of Christ that shows up in our darkness. Have you, I'm, 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 I'm not quite done yet, right? I'm almost done with my introduction, right? We're going to be here a second. I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. But hear me. This is going to change somebody's life. You ever know people who live from crisis to crisis? 
Like there's always a crisis in their life and then they get just enough light to get out of their crisis, but then there's a new crisis. Like, like, don't you get frustrated with that? It's like, and you want to ask them, don't you ever get frustrated with that? Like, don't, 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 don't you know? Like, we want to break these cycles in our lives. And the disciples in this moment were in complete darkness. They were lost. They were defeated. They were depressed. And Jesus shows up with his life there, uh, with his light on the, on, the, on the edge of the sea. We talked about it last week that Jesus is alive and, 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 and he visits them. And the next thing we see them is in Galilee. And, 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 and why are they in Galilee? And I've heard a lot of messages about, you know, they gave up, went back to their life. But, but Mark talks about the fact that at the Last Supper, Jesus said, I'm going ahead of you to Galilee. Matthew says, in, as he tells this story, that they're in Galilee as Jesus told them he would be. Now, now imagine your friend tells you, hey, I'm going to meet you at the mall, and then he dies. The last thing you remember is I'm going to meet you at the mall. I want you to catch this. You've got to catch this. It looked like the promise of Jesus was dead in their lives. Then he showed up with a little bit of light confirming them, hey, I'm not dead yet. Just things ain't going to work out the way you thought they were going to work out. So now they're in this room scared. Jesus showed up. Thomas had his hand in the side. They're in this room. What do we do now? So like we're depressed, we're lost, we're, 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 we're not knowing what to do. What do we do? The light has come. What are we going to do with the light? We better listen to what he told us to do before we got the revelation of what was coming. And so as they began to talk, well, what do we do now? I don't know what we're supposed to do now. Do we start our own rabbinical schools? Do we do, go out and preach? Well, he said, well, Jesus said, I'm going ahead of you to Galilee. Maybe, maybe we should go to Galilee. And so they go to Galilee, and they're in Galilee, and you got to eat, right? Peter's a fisherman. Let me go get some food, right? Jesus shows up in Galilee. He's out on the out just cooking some fish on the, on the shoreline. Like, that is not what you're expecting Jesus to do. Just chilling. But as was ministered this morning, Jesus is at peace in the midst of your storm. Amen? And He's come to invite you into His peace. Because he's, he's got some answers. Right? So what do you do with the light that comes? You've got you to remember this. When you're in your darkness and Jesus shows up just chilling, not fixing anything, you've got two things you need to do. Number one, you need to be humble. You've got to humble yourself and stop telling God what He needs to do. Right? Second thing you need to do is you need to obey. When the light shows up, your action has to be to be humble and obey. You're disappointed because you thought you knew what God was going to do. And he said, guess what? Peekaboo, different story than you thought, right? I'm here now. You might want to shut up, stop telling me what I need to do, and start asking me what it is you need to be doing. Jesus shows up. The God of the universe, the one with all wisdom and knowledge, shows up in your depression, and we think we need to tell him what he needs to do. No, 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 no. No, we just got a window into destiny. We need to get humble, recognize we missed it a little bit. Doesn't mean you're disobedient. Doesn't mean you're disobedient. It means he's got some new, new plans for you. So we need to be humble and ask him what we need to do. See, in the deep darkness of our life, this is the negation that God can work with. He's kind of finally created an area of absence that he can plant something. He's made a little room for his own plans in your life. When your plans have died, God now has a place to work with to get his plan to start to work in your dream. You see, this God can work with. This is, this is when the painter looks at the empty canvas and begins to dream. This is, this is, this is like 
like, like they, they, they dream of these kind of things. This is, this is the blank piece of paper that the author looks like and says, this could be a novel. This is, this is the, 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 the block of marble that the sculptor looks at and says, what could be on the inside of this? In the midst of where you have died to your plans, where you have been disappointed at what God's going to do. In this vast, dark emptiness, this is where God says, hey, hey, now I can build something that looks like me in this area that they have finally died in. I had to clear the land of what they thought was going to happen. Now I can create with my spirit what it is I wanted to build in this part of their lives. Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? You are not, come on, God is not destroying things. He's clearing the land for what he wants to build in your life. This is a good word right here. Abraham laid out that sacrifice. Remember, we talked about this. And then God walked in the midst of this. And, and Abraham went under a deep, he went in a deep darkness. And in that darkness, the covenant came. Abraham did everything he thought he could do. And then God came and did what he can do. The time of darkness may be here, but the light is coming for you. Amen. When the disciples were in deep darkness, the Trinity was walking through that sacred, that sacrificed land, that cleared land. The Messiah came forging a new covenant with His disciples. His name is Jesus, but you have to be ready to see the light and the follow. The disciples, for the disciples, the word was, I'm going ahead of you to Galilee. And that's where they found Jesus. I don't know what Jesus told you last. Maybe you don't remember. But here's how you hear Him. If you have seen Him, begin serving the Lord. If you have seen the resurrected Messiah, serve the Lord. The people, <laughs> there's two kinds of people in the church in America today. Two, two types of people in this room today. There's those people who need to meet Jesus and there's people who are serving the Lord. There's people who need to react to the Word of God and there's people who are serving the Lord. When someone encounters the living God, God transforms them from consumers to contributors. They go from people who need God to rescue them to people who have decided they will be rescuers of other people because they're carrying the Spirit of God in their life. This is why the Holy Ghost has come to seal you as a down payment for salvation, but to anoint you to be the carrier of the presence in someone else's life. We set this atmosphere on Sunday morning so you can come and encounter the Spirit of God. We believe that people are going to encounter God. Not, not, not just get a little better in life, but go from visitor to contributor. To serve, is, serve the purpose of God in your life. Listen, listen, you're like, I don't know where to start. I, 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 I've been going to church a little bit. Maybe I grew up in church and maybe you're in this cycle. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. You ready? I, this is going to be radical. This is going to be radical. At the end of service, there'll be somebody in the, in the lobby. They'll be holding a connection card. You say, I want, to become a, uh, I want to become a greeter. I'm ready to serve in children's ministry. I'm ready to be in next steps. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be an usher. I'm ready to set up a sign and serve the Lord Jesus Christ so I can get on board with His mission in the earth. You say amen. 
I don't, I don't care how much Bible you got memorized. I, I, I don't care what degrees you got behind your name. If you're too big to hold a door or hold a baby, you're an infant in the, in, in the kingdom of God. You've just been birthed into kingdom. If you've not moved from God's here to serve me to I am here to serve the house of God, you're just an infant and God wants you to grow up and become an adult to break out of these cycles of destruction in your life and be the one who holds an open door so someone can come in and meet Jesus. Can you say amen? Oh, I feel good here. When the darkness comes, we humble ourselves when we get to work. You remember Paul, right? In Acts chapter 26, Paul tells his testimony. He says, uh, he says while I was uh, engaged in, in going to Damascus to kill people with the authority and the commissions of the chief priests at midday king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. This is the the system of how people go from darkness to children of God. They're there, there, there's you in your darkness thinking you're doing God's stuff, thinking you're doing the right thing. You've come up with a plan and you're doing it. And then the light comes. Watch this. Stay engaged for a second. The light comes. The light shone. The Bible says brighter than the sun. That's the show. That's, that's, it's an allusion back to Genesis 1 where they were showing the pagans that our God is the God above the sun, right? He's giving these biblical allusions and he says he's brighter than the sun. And they said we all fell to the ground. When Jesus shows up, they humble themselves. They're all on the ground, and then God spoke to them. God speaks, and then you have a choice. What are you going to do with that voice? The reaction is you begin to serve God with your life. So Paul had this voice from heaven. He says, why are you persecuting me? It's hard to kick against the goad. In verse 15, and I said, who are you? Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I believe right there in between the, between the you and the Lord, that little comma right there is where Paul got converted. That little comma right there is where Paul got saved. Who are you? Lord? He came to a recognition that it is Jesus Christ who is bringing him out of darkness. And Jesus goes on to say, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go meet some brothers and they're going to cast the devil out of you. They're going to give you your vision and you are going to learn how to serve me. We got a lot of disgruntled Christians in America today who never learned how to serve Jesus. They sat in church a long time and then one day they realized, wait a minute, it's not all about me. What's this thing about? It's about Jesus. It's about his body. It's about a Messiah who died on a cross, and it's about you serving His body. You say amen. This is what we are about. This is what we are about. This voice resonates. Follow me. I'm almost done here. When Jesus shows up in your darkness, it becomes holy ground. That's where the light of God opens the eyes of men. This is the pattern. You're in depression. You're in darkness. You're in confusion. Jesus shows up, chilling on your couch. Hey, what's going on there, Carl? You're like, I don't know, deep depression and confusion and dismay. And he's like, 
Yeah? Wow, that sounds rough, you know? <laughs> Am I the only one, or does that happen? How you doing, Carl? Why are you asking me? Why are you asking me? You're the God. How are you doing, Carl? I'm not trusting God. That's how I'm doing. That's how I'm doing. I, I trusted my plan, and it didn't work out. I trusted some people that they would follow you, and they didn't follow you. I, 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 trusted, I trusted an organization that said it was about you, but it's not really about you. It was about itself. <clears throat> that, that's where I'm at, God. And the right reaction is not, to, is, not to, is not to deconstruct Jesus. The right reaction is to humble ourselves and say, where did I get it wrong? Where did I get it wrong? Deconstruct every bit of toxic faith you've got, but don't deconstruct that Jesus is the risen Messiah. Deconstruct what people may have told you about his goodness, but do not fall into the devil's trap and give up your faith in God. Because that is your way out of that trap. There's a voice. When that voice comes, it's holy ground. You got to recognize Jesus has shown up in my darkness. And it's just like it's like the guy. For them, it was just the man on the shore cooking fish. They had a promise. They had a hope. They had disappointment. But they just see a guy on the shore. You must see Jesus over there chilling, doing his own thing. They didn't recognize this is, oh, this is, this is the Messiah. You remember Peter had, dis, had, had denied Jesus three times. All the disciples had left him at the cross. We know that only the women were there ministering as he was being murdered and waiting to die of asphyxiation on the cross. They all, they all equally had abandoned the Lord, and yet here he is, just chilling on the beach. But they didn't recognize who he really was yet. And they called out to him. Jesus called out to him. Hey, what's going on out there? What y'all up to? It was the voice of the man Jesus. But there was a word on the inside of them. It was a promise. And when Jesus speaks to us, something supernatural happens to that promise. This, this, this is what happened to the prodigal son as he was sitting at that pig pen remembering the covenant he had with a father. And he came to himself, the Bible says, and he remembered there's, wait a minute, there's life back with my dad. What am I doing here? That's that something came alive on the inside of him, these servants in my dad's house get treated better. What, 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 what am I doing? This, this, is, this is what happened to Peter on the edge of the shore when he heard the voice. He said, wait, wait a minute, this, this something in me. My, this is what happened with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They broke bread and the Bible says their heart began to burn on the inside of them. That word of God in them began to come alive. This is what happened to Mary Magdalene outside the tomb as the gardener said, it was talking to her and nothing happened. Then he said, Mary? And then all of a sudden her eyes saw that this is the Messiah. This is the one who put the word on the inside of me. When Jesus shows up, we, we got to decide what are we going to do?
do, you better know now before it happens. And when he shows up, we need to humble ourselves and say, the risen God is here to bring alive the dream on the inside of me. And the Bible says that Peter saw the Lord. And you may know earlier, John beat him to the tomb, but he wasn't going to beat him to the risen Jesus. He don't just say, I ain't waiting for John. I'm jumping in the water. I'm getting there first. John can write about that in his book later if he wants to, because I'm changing the story. Come on, say, God is changing my story. Say it right now. God is changing my story right now. Someone beat me before, but they ain't going to beat me again. And so Peter gets in the water and he swims to him and, and, and he comes to the Lord Jesus and he gets on on dry land and he says man this is my this is my real purpose this is this is Paul on that horse the the light came and he thought he was serving God and just like Peter man this this is my real purpose this is what I'm going to follow watch this verse 21 verse 9 it says so when they got on dry land they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Oh, we got communion now. I don't know if you know this. There's only a charcoal fire, fire twice in the Bible. It's only twice in the Bible. This is the second time where Jesus is cooking some fish, got the disciples around him. You know the first time? Peter warmed himself, the Bible says, on a charcoal fire. While he was denying the Lord. And Jesus is like, come on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to heal that. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to heal the trauma of that experience. I, 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 I'm going to invite you back to that charcoal fire. See, see, you got trauma in your life over times of failure and disappointment. And Jesus is right there in the midst of it saying, guess what, son? Guess what, daughter? We're, we're, we're still going to move forward. I'm still here for you. I'm still going to redeem that call. I'm going to redeem that thing. My love is still here. I'm going to bring it again. No, 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 no. The fire didn't make it. No, no, no. We're going to sanctify this fire. That one was a fire of betrayal, but this one is a fire of holiness. We're going to have communion around this fire. Heal the present. Heal the future, but I'm going to heal the past as well. Now that thing has died, but it's coming to life. Oh, somebody, I feel the anointing. I feel the anointing. Peter has heard that voice and he recognizes he humbled himself and swam to Jesus. He saw the light and now he sits at the table with the Lord getting instructions. At that charcoal fire. Jesus asked him three times, do you love me, Peter? Who he say it for? That wasn't for Jesus' sake. Jesus knows Peter's heart. That was for Peter. Jesus was betrayed, murdered, shows up. He's like, I got some healing to do with my disciples here. I got some work to do. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Verse 17, the Bible says, Peter was grieved because he said a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Get to work. Get to work. <clears throat> now I don't, I don't, I don't know what charcoal fire in your life is still burning. I don't know what moment of betrayal, failure. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't know what hurts are still living in your life. I don't know 
when you thought God was going to come through and you were sure of it and you told your friends and family and you done told everybody you did an Instagram post about it and then at the end of the day it didn't come to pass and now you're disappointed and you think that God done left you but I'm here to let you know Jesus has got a charcoal fire with some fish and some bread and he's inviting you to the table and say I'm going to heal that entire thing I got work for you to do I had to clear out the ground of your plans I had to get some false prophetic words at your life you didn't know that thing was going to be for your destruction. So I had to cut it off. You didn't know that that job was going to exploit you. You didn't know that house had termites. You don't know that person wasn't faithful. And you thought that that was going to be a marriage that was going to bring fruit, but you were going to get beat down every day of your life. No, no, you didn't know I had to save you from that thing that you thought was the promise. But I had to clear out the land. But today you swam to shore to where Jesus is. You didn't let the charcoal scare you off. Stand with me if you would. You didn't let the charcoal scare you off, but you said Jesus is lighting a fire on that thing of betrayal and bringing healing to my heart. Today is a new day where Jesus can show up in my fallow ground with his life and transform my hurt into his glory. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Give a clap offering to the Lord. And so today, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I speak right now. I speak right now. Mm. I speak right now to every area of disappointment and hurt. To every area of depression. Every area of self-condemnation in your life. Mm. To those of you who are away from God right now. I say Jesus is ready at the table. To give you some marching orders. To get some purpose in your life. To, 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 to plug you into a place where you can begin to serve Him. I, I speak to people right now who think that your best days are behind you. I say the devil is a liar. Shekabah. I say faith come alive in the name of Jesus. I say faith come alive in the name of Jesus. Faith come alive in the name of Jesus. Odds are there's some people under the sound of my voice right now. You just need to give your life back to God. Maybe somebody taught you a false Jesus and you thought you had to take your life back. It's time to give it to the real Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Just close your eyes and bow your head. And, and if that's you, I just want you to just, I just like, I like everybody in the room. Just say the name Jesus. Jesus, come on in. I'm ready for the real. I'm ready for the real. Come on, I'm ready for the real. And, and, and some of you, come on, come on, come on, let them do it. Let them do it. Don't you dare hold back from the Holy Ghost of God in the house of God. Do not quench the Spirit of God. Let Him minister right now in your heart. I see the Lord. He's at that pain of, He's at that place of pain right now. He's at that charcoal fire. He is at that divorce. He is at that failure. He is at that poverty. He is at that disappointment. He's got the fire burning and you're like, I don't know that I want to go. He's going to sanctify it in your heart right now. Holy Ghost going to come and heal it right now. Some of you, he's going to be sitting at that fire next to your mama and you're like, I don't want nothing to do with her. He's like, I'll bring healing right now. Sheba. Sheba. He's not, res he's not resurrecting dead dreams. He's, he, he's bringing to life God dreams right now. He's replacing dead dreams with God dreams that never did die. 
Sheba Katebe. Come on, somebody. I feel the Holy Ghost. Just receive it right now. Just receive it right now. Just begin to thank Him. Just begin to thank Him right now. Come on, lift your voice and begin to thank Him right now. Just begin to thank Him right now. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice and just begin to thank Him. Thank you, Jesus, for touching my life. Thank you, Jesus. I believe you're going to move on the inside of me right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you're going to bring light into the darkness. Thank you, Jesus, you're going to redeem my family. Thank you, Jesus, you're going to redeem my finances. Thank you, Jesus, you're going to redeem my calling. Thank you. Come on, somebody. The Lord is releasing angels right now. Come on, somebody. I feel the anointing of God moving in the room. Don't let the rocks cry out instead. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Shake today. Come on, show up at the table. We're going to receive the table of the Lord right now. But you're going to do it around that, that fire of disappointment, that fire of hurt. Hey, and the Lord going to redeem. Oh, I feel the anointing, Tracy. Lord, I just, ooh, shake, ba, saba. Mm, Diane, I feel the Holy Ghost moving in the room right now. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in the room right now. You might say, well, I don't, I just hear somebody yelling. Close your eyes and let the Holy Ghost touch you right now. Hey, Shabbat. Listen, if you don't have communion elements, go get you some. You're like, oh, I'm not a part of this church. So, I'm this, we didn't invent this. Jesus did. We're doing what he said. Everybody's doing what he said. We're going to have the table of the Lord with Jesus. You know how rude it would be if Jesus invited you to dinner and you're like, eh, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know if I like that kind of house. Can you imagine getting to heaven? He's like, I invited you to dinner and you didn't show up. You're like, eh, I didn't, you know, it wasn't my house. Of course it wasn't your house. It was my house. I'm the one who invited you to dinner. I'll make no kind of sense. Imagine if Peter told Jesus, well, I didn't start that fire. Of course you didn't. You couldn't. You degenerate fool. I'm about to save you. That's a good word. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, Shabbat. Put it up, Anastasia. Paul said, for I received. from." I, come on, somebody. I mm. Come on, somebody. I, mm, 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 Hey. Ho. Ha. He's here. You might just want to tell him, I just want to stay dead, Lord. But I recommend you say, I'm ready for life. I'm ready for life. Yeah, come on up. Shabbat. Okay, here, here's how Paul said it. The man who got knocked off his horse and saw Jesus. Hey. You ready? For on the night, excuse me, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus. Come on, these people getting elements. We'll wait. Jesus waited about 1900 and so many years for me to get saved. I could wait a minute. Aren't you glad he waited? Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad he waited? Keeps on waiting. Imagine Paul in heaven being like, it just took one little horse ride for me. I don't know what's up with these fools. They don't grew up with the Bible. I, I had to write it. That's a preacher joke. I think that was funny. I'm going to write that down. Paul says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. 
Oh, Jesus. Okay, listen. I feel the unction right now. There's an anointing for evangelism in the room right now. I'm going to finish with this. Listen, some of you, you are called, actually you're all called by God to do this. Some of you have a special anointing for it, but you got to put some words in some people for God to, to bring to life. You got to be speaking the Bible over the people around you. You got to be talking about Jesus a little bit. So when he shows up on the shore, they know who it is who showed up. You hear what I'm telling you? You don't gotta, you don't gotta be the person to tell them, oh, you're going to hell and you know you're a wicked sinner. God hates you so much, you need to go to him. You know, no, don't do that. But some of you need to you need to be talking about Jesus to people so God has something to work with. Amen. Just thank Jesus around people more. What are you talking about? You're like, oh, you'll know one day. Say, Jesus came through for me. What does that mean? Oh, you'll find out. Just keep listening. Come on, somebody. You know what? There's an anointing here for some evangelists. And I believe that evangelistic anointing is on this house. You just go, just come to the house of God and just see what happens. Amen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, do it, Anastasia. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. When? Until he comes. And I'm here to let you know he's coming for some people. This week, he's coming through for some people. Amen. Receive the body of the Lord. Hey! Hmm. Who's ready for the new wine? The new wine. That'll bring life to things which have died. It's the new wine. After which he took the cup. This is the covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Who got a testimony? Who got a testimony from death to life? Come on, receive the cup of the new covenant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is my testimony from death to life. Come on, we got to tell His it. His grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. My Jesus Christ, the right. I'm justified. This is my testimony. Oh, I'm alive. Come on, do it again. This is my testimony. Sing it out loud. From death to life. His grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. My Jesus Christ, the right. I'm justified. This is my testimony. Oh, I'm alive. This is my testimony. Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare your anointing over your people. Healing. Healing. Divine appointments this week that they get to plant that seed in other people's lives and breakthrough in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on, give a clap off for the Lord. Come on, give a clap off for the Lord. Come on. Shout His presence into your family. Shout His presence into your life. Shout His presence into your, into your children, your business. In Jesus' name, everybody said, 
Amen, amen. God bless you. I will see you with prayer and next week in service. Give somebody a big hug.